Welcome to the Impact Masters Commission Bible Study Podcast. Join us as we study the Bible verse by verse. I'm your host, Pastor Josh Hawkins. We're going to have some deep, thoughtful, and hopefully helpful discussions to try and discover together what it means to be the followers of Jesus. The shoes. Oh no! Uh, yeah. Well, he did that, the shoes too with like blood shoes, and. But then, like he made a music video with like he was talking on Satan like, and people were going insane on it like, like all well, oh, you can like. Why do you think he? Why do you think they do that? Controversy to get, makes money. Yeah. So Absolutely. You post that's just putting more money in their pocket, fueling the what do you call it? The, the you know the organization. The yeah. The every share you, every time you share that, you don't do anything with it. Every time you share, even if it's to like it. no matter how, like you, you, no matter what, if you're talking about it at all, they, money from it. they understand that that human beings respond to outrage and anger, and and people love to rebel. So it doesn't either way. They're they're doing great. Because if it ticks you off, good for that they have just, they, they, ha, they, they have won. Mm-hmm. And if you love it, they have won. Mm-hmm. And I think our response should just be to be indifferent, to not, to, to, to not be moved. To be like, and? I don't know. That's my like, personal opinion. That's like, um, a lot of times you see on Facebook, like someone will say something and people that are not Christians will post and then, Christians will attack them, like like yeah. saying stuff that we understand, but they're unbelievers, so they don't understand right. things the same way. And like today, I saw a post. This girl, she used to be like uh, Wiccan and like all these things, uh-huh. tarot cards and all that. And then today, or the other day, was four years since she became a Christian, and she mm-hmm. was saved and freed of all that. And like a lot of people were commenting that are not Christians, saying you just left one cult for another, like all this stuff. Sure, like people normally say. And it shocked me because I'm used to people attacking non people that are not non Christians, but they were actually like saying, "We don't expect you to understand this the way we do because, as believers, we see it a completely different way than you do." And so, like, I was just shocked that there's not one crappy comment made by a Christian at all. Well, just give it a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was like reading it because I was like, I I want to see like That's terrible. how bad That's these comments are. So. Basically, this whole situation just comes down to what you've been teaching us, like a couple of weeks ago when there was only like three of us healed. Mm-hmm. Like it just comes down to love. Like, we just got love. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like a broken record because that's what I'm always talking about. Yeah. But this is at the core. Mm-hmm. How can we get away from this? This is what we're talking about. We we are here. We are we. human race our purpose is love period it is loving God and loving each other is why we were created when we as Christians we should understand that better than anybody 
and we should be the, the ones who are the most equipped to embody it, to live it out, because this is what Jesus taught us to do. But we're crap at it, because we've spent our whole lives looking at Christ and Christianity through a lens that makes, it, makes us think it's about 12 other things, and it's not. It's about this one thing. And whenever we miss it, whenever we get off track, we just make Jesus look bad. We make the church look bad. <laughs> it's terrible. We need to wake up. And our response, no matter what it is, to somebody dressing up as Satan or to someone who, is, who has come out of Wicca or to someone, doesn't matter, our response is always the same. It's always love. It's always hospitality. It's always welcoming. It's always love. Always, always, always. When someone, so how does love respond to sin? I was literally thinking about it, saying that, like, how is love supposed to be? Yeah, how does love respond to sin? Not condemning, but... Something that I've always been told is to love the sinner but hate the sin. Yeah, I hate that phrase. Yeah, Sorry, about that I'm last not trying year. to pick on you about that, but I despise Hamilton. that phrase. I guess I so, hate the sin, hate love the, the sinner. Oh, it's he Hamilton reverse it. He says to love the sin, hate the sinner. Oh. I hate. I. I've That's how of, it usually ends up. I've heard a lot of people saying that 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 saying's not like. It's just not helpful. Yeah. yeah. He's saying, well, hate the sin, love the sinner. But right. there's like nothing comes from the that. hate. We're not so, to hate. Well, it's not. The, the idea is can you see past yeah. their bad behavior to the person? And I appreciate that. Sorry. Good morning. I appreciate that very much. That, that sentiment. I know what people mean when they say hate the sin and love the sinner. But the problem is, it's, uh, we don't really do the that second part very well. I got Samoa. You got Samoa? Samoa? Is that these? Yeah. I'll just trade you because I bought I bought those for myself because she's under the next year. Really, y'all like, you like coconut? Yeah, you probably should have no, okay. another so mixed up. I don't enjoy coconut. I know I got these because So I, I don't say that phrase anymore for and I haven't for a long time because I just don't think it's helpful. I don't think it works well for us. Um, I think we need to uh, we need to recognize. It's hot in here, girl. We need to, rec- we need to recognize that sin is a manifestation of the same sickness we all have, and and we we recognize that and we see through to this human being created in the image of God that that Jesus deeply loves, right? Yeah. And so I, I just we don't have to say that we hate the sin. And what does that even mean anyway? I, I that's what I'm saying. I don't really understand what that means. Hate the sin. Does that make sense? Like sin's not a thing. I'm not saying people don't sin. Don't hear me wrong. But sin's not a thing. It's not. It's sin's not really an enemy. Um, uh, it's not a friend either. It's not a thing. It's not like a force to be stood against. Um, what what we need to spend our energy on is not is not so much uh, 
spending our energy on not sinning, but let's spend our energy on becoming like Christ. And then the not sinning part comes with it. I hope that makes sense. There's so many landmines in, in the last couple sentences that I just said that, so, that people who love to nitpick other people's conversations would, would have fun with, with those few sentences. Um, but, no, you're all right. Glad you're here. Back to like, I don't know, maybe I, cause sometimes I still know, so maybe, um, but like back to the question on like, how do you like, wait, what was the question? So how does love respond to sin? Yeah. Okay. This is how we respond. Okay. We, we respond, number one, by being heartbroken. Okay. Wrath and anger and whatever, not a great response, especially from people who are also sinners. Does that make sense? Okay. Is, is heartbrokenness. Usually the first thing that I will say is, oh, God have mercy. Right? Lord have mercy. Okay. We do speak the truth in love. That's absolutely true. But, it's, but that's what we have to do, is speak the truth in love. Okay. So we approach someone who is walking in a place of sin or, 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 or in a behavior that we look at and and see is damaging to themselves and others, we come to them in love. Okay, so if I see someone post something on Facebook that I'm like, ooh, that's, uh, I've got a real issue with that, I'm going to send them a personal message, or I'm going to go to them myself, and I'm going to say, hey, I saw this that you posted. Can we talk about this a little bit? Because here's how that made me feel, and, and, and I worry about how other people are going to take it. When this is about them and, and about my care for them, and not about how dare, not about me, not about my rights, not about what I deserve and what I think and blah, 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 that, them put, that's a completely different thing. I made that mistake. It's easy to do. And then, like, now I look back, because I was only in high school, but now I look back and I'm like, you really just made a fool of yourself, Austin. Like you didn't, you didn't accomplish anything. And so, like since then, I I refuse to do that. I will talk to somebody personally, but Absolutely. I won't comment on their, on a Facebook post. And that's what both Jesus and the Apostle Paul tell us to do. Mm-hmm. When we see somebody in the midst of sin, do we just ignore it and forget it? No, we don't do that. We approach. Mm-hmm. We move in close. We we step to where they are, and we walk with them on it. Now. Jesus and Paul both realize that people don't always respond well, even to that kind of caring rebuke, right? And so there's other steps to be taken, but it has to start there. Okay, we don't talk about it to someone else, which is gossip. We don't rebuke them publicly unless they've already refused our personal talk and when we go and get another another leader in their life and we approach them, then if they remain in their sin and obstinate, then it becomes a public issue. But that's the last thing that happens. The other two things have to come first. Does this all make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, going off of that, when, it, when we were in North Carolina, I was towards the back 
with some of the students from the other masters. Yeah. And we were just having a really good conversation. And one of the girls from Birmingham asked the question, is God disappointed when you sin? Right. What's your like take on that question? Because there was a bunch of different answers getting thrown around. What do you think? I don't know. Because like when you, when you look up the definition of disappointed, one of the words is saddened. Mm-hmm. I think God is saddened when we sin, but I think there's a difference between the way he feels about when we sin, when we've already repented of that sin and we turn back to it, and versus when we do it for the first time. Oh. That's an interesting um, statement. Go ahead. I kind, of, I kind of see it as like, if I would like disobey my parents, like they, this is how I look at it, I could be one, but like, they would, yeah, be like kind of sad, like kind of like, Oh, like he's trying to do that, but they still love me, and they still like love. They would be like, "Hey, like we don't, you know, like they still love." It's not like angry, like "Oh, you can't do that get ever again" type thing. It's the "Hey, like you know, you messed up, like let's be better." Like, does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Odessa. Um. Then yeah, I don't know if you can like do any sin for the first time. Well, other than like sexual sins, then yeah, you can do those for the first time. But like, like other sins, like lying. I feel like toddlers lie. I feel like um, what's another sin? I don't know. Stealing toddlers steal. Don't take a cookie when you say don't take a cookie. Um, so um, the disappointed thing, maybe disappointed. You know that phrase like um, shock? No, disappointed, but not surprised. Mm. Like God knows we're fat. We're gonna sin. He knows everything. Sure. You know. So I don't know how I would put a feeling with something that he knows for a fact we're going to do. And disappointed usually comes from like, like you probably didn't expect it, you know? Right. I would say that's true. Did you have something to say, Christian? No. You perked up, so I thought maybe. No. You always perked. Don't you love this hair? I love this hair. <laughs> you look awesome, folks. <laughs> I don't know if I feel oh. like, you know, secure enough in my masculinity to to comment on another man's hair in I, that way. All right. I feel you. I feel you. Awesome you with me? Yeah. It looks amazing. <laughs> I love it. It looks so healthy. So, I, disappointed, it, I, have, I have a couple issues with the word because it's, it's a very subjective term. Okay, so disappointed to you means one thing. Disappointed to them means another. Um, um, so, I, d- I don't like the word. Uh, uh, What's God's reaction when we sin? God did already know we were going to sin, so surprise is not his reaction. And it's he never responds with like a, well, now I'm going to hurt you. Does that make sense? Now, if you ask any parent, okay, anger with your children comes from two places, okay? Anger with your children comes from one when, when, well, and this might be different between men and women, but for me, I'll just speak for myself. The two times I get angry with my kids, well, let's do three. Three times I get angry with my kids. Number one is if they've done something that is really potentially harmful to themselves, that, that will anger me. Um, and especially because I know they know better. Okay, that makes me mad. Is that angry? Is that anger at them? No, it's anger for them. It's like, you're smarter than this. 
right? Make a better choice. We've had this conversation. Why would you do something like that, okay? One of my kids who will remain nameless, but he'll never listen to this anyway, uh, but, um, but uh, had made a habit of climbing on top of public buildings um, just for the fun of it. Uh, just no, usually late at night, and usually with a couple friends, and then we get up there and like talk and look at the stars and vibe, yeah. You know, and he got in big trouble about it twice. The first time it was my reaction was, "Come on, that was a stupid thing to do." The second time my reaction was, "Dude, you already got in trouble for this one time." What are you thinking? You know, and so that it's that that's the okay. So that's kind of the two. It's like it's like I I'm angry because they are doing something damaging to themselves. The other one is uh, you are not stupid and you know this is a bad idea. Why did you make this choice? That's a place of anger for me. Okay, and then another one is when I feel disrespected. Okay, when I've specifically had a conversation with them in love, not in a place of drama, and not whatever, and I've asked them to change their behavior and they refuse. That makes me angry. Now, that last one, I don't think is a thing God feels. But the other two, I do. Okay, and I think God's anger in the Bible is usually one of those two things. It is a place of you are hurting yourself. Stop. Right? And a place of that you know better than this, and yet you continue in this action. Okay? So, because God clearly gets angry. You've seen that. That's in, that's in both Old Testament and New. Even Jesus gets angry. But what is the point of his anger? Okay? The drive of his anger always is about, is, is about bringing bringing us to safety and and about bringing us back into relationship with himself. The thing that I worry about in the disappointment word is that there is almost a sense of of like walking away shaking your head. And God doesn't walk away. I just don't think he does. He lets us walk away. He does do that. Jesus did that. But he does not walk away. And even when we walk away, he's right there. Ready for that moment of turning. You know, that moment when, when he's going to, when, when we're going to come to our senses in the pig pen and turn around, there he is right there waiting for us. He has not given up on us. I hope that all makes sense. All right. But we need to go to our conversation for the, for today that I was requested to have with y'all. That's around mental health. Yay. Okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, also, before we start, yes. that list right there? This the list? That's just different things that we came up with to talk about. Self-destruction. Mermaids. Yes. Yeah. All they live. Wait, what? Mermaids? Dinosaurs. 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 Evolution in Pangea? <laughs> or Pandas. Modesty, oh, that'll be a fun one. Spiritual warfare will be another really fun one. All right. 
Well, let's keep those in our heads. Yeah. Somebody take a picture of it. I, I take a picture. Great. Send it. Send it to me, so that we can uh, we can have that. I mean, they spelled dinosaur wrong. I didn't uh, do it. That it was depends on whether this is an A or dinosaurs. a... It's like A-U-R-S, right? No, there's not a U in there. That's a U between Yeah, the there is a U. Yeah, that a U. looks like the A is connected to the R. Yeah. Then it's correct. Hey. I got you. Oh, hey. All right. Mental health. Let's talk about mental health. Specifically, the question was asked, Depression is medicine. Medicine and suicide. Are these witchcraft? That was the question. I'm assuming that this is coming from somewhere. We went to the launch thing and we were told, what was we told again? I know it was um, something medicine, something, something, ha ha. I don't was shocked. Like, I, because, like, the guy was talking about, because we did have talks about with spiritual welfare, but then we also, like, that night, the guy was talking about, like, kind of like risk off and stuff. Yeah. And correct me if I say it wrong, but, uh, like, he, he says something. I didn't know he said something along, cause like he was going off, you know, like when they get in a moment, they just keep listening things to things. That's like, why they need right. to not get in a moment. Yeah. Um, cause that's when you say stupid things as a pastor. Cause when you yeah. get on a roll and stuff just starts coming out of your mouth, and then you stupid stuff comes out. When I when I find myself in that place, that's when I I shut myself down. Yeah, like he he said something and like that, I think got taken like, cause he, I don't remember what he all said, but like. I think some of it like cut up and taken a long way. I don't know. He was like, speaking of partnering with the spirit of fear, mm -hmm. in that he was saying the dependency, like overdependence on like the medicine, is pairing with the spirit of fear. So those two connected, medicine is witchcraft. Is what he, what came out, but within yeah. the context of what he said, he meant like, hey. Yeah, I don't think, like, he meant to say, like, <clears throat> medicine is necessarily witchcraft, but the way that he was, like, wording things... Yeah, and he there was children in the audience, and they're not going to go into, like, deep context. So like, imagine with the kids. But I didn't hear much. I heard much. He, like, I don't know. I guess because then I told Alex, like, the questions I sent you, and he was like, well, he meant, like, the spirit of fear and stuff and then like I guess that made sense but it was just some of like the things he said that really was being insensitive yeah to people who struggle with mental health he, yeah he which also, by the way according I looked it up forty seven percent forty seven percent of adults will at some time in their adult life wrestle with a mental health issue. So that means half the population are witches, everybody. Does that make sense? No. No. Including me, by the way. I have absolutely been in deep wrestles with depression and anxiety multiple times in my life. The worst was in 2020. Um, when it was so bad that it was, I didn't know if I was ever going to be better. 
That's the truth. That's scary. It was really, really scary. And there, are def there have been months at a time where, for me, depression and anxiety, I'm, I am on, more on the anxiety spectrum than, than the, but guess what? It's the same chemical in your body. We just feel it in different ways. So I, I, I experience it more as anxiety than depression, although I definitely experience some of the depression too. Oh, one quote, because I was like, I was writing stuff down and I made sure I got it like word for word. Um, one thing that he specifically said is why do we go to doctors who think that there are multiple genders when depression is just witchcraft? Like that's an exact sentence that came yeah, out of I remember him saying that. Um, another sentence he said um, oh where'd it go? Oh, and then he was like, um, he was like, and why would you go on medication for these things when you can just pray to the Holy Ghost? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because of how stupid that statement is. Exactly. Oh, he also made the comment about he, him not wanting us to be biblically, what was, what was the word he used? Illiterate? Illiterate or something like that. Oh, he said he doesn't want us to be dumb Christians who don't know the Bible. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm okay he with that. He also didn't care if he was invited back next year. Oh, of course not. You know, they never do. They, I don't care. I'm just gonna say what I'm gonna say, and who cares if it hurts anybody's feelings? Who cares if it makes any sense whatsoever? Can I name to you multiple biblical characters who walked through seasons of depression? Can I do that for you? Elijah. Okay. Elijah. Elijah for sure. Big time. Samuel and Elijah. Elijah. I found the video. Moses. Yeah. David. You ready for this one? Jesus. Jesus? He was the best. Yes, he was. Well, he was in the desert. Nope. Isn't it when he went through the tree and like cried for so many days? Or am I thinking? Uh, that's Elijah. Oh. Jesus no, absolutely experienced depression. He tells his disciples at the Last Supper, my soul is crushed and grieved within me to the point of death. What do you call that? Depression. I call that depression. Friends, don't let anyone tell you that prayer is all you need to, to deal with mental health issues. That's malarkey. It's foolish. It's, that's a dumb... That it, the only people that can say that are people that have either never experienced a mental health issue or people who are experiencing a mental health issue but are in denial about it. Okay. Is prayer really helpful? Yes, absolutely it is. I'll tell you, here's the three things, okay, for me. For me, here are the three things that walked me out of, of my deep season, of my deepest season 
of depression and anxiety. And by the way, when I struggle with these things the most are when, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> when I struggle with the depression and anxiety the most are when these patterns are no longer present in my life, okay? Because what we call anxiety and depression, friends, uh, is, is a natural emotion, okay, um, that, that gets out of control, okay? And emotions are chemicals in your brain. Right? Yeah. Are you with me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Anybody disagree with that statement? No. Does that mean that just because they're chemicals in your brain, they're not also spiritual realities? No, it does not mean that. You are both physical and spiritual. Do you understand that? So every physical reality in you also has a spiritual reality in you. Which is why it's important what you do with your physical body really important. Why? Because your physical and your spiritual bodies need to match each other. This is why we sing. This is why we kneel. This is why we lay our feet on our faces on the floor. This is why we dance. This is why we shout. Why? Because your body and your spirit are not disconnected from each other. They are intertwined and it is very difficult to be able to, it's almost impossible to parse the two out as to which is which. My opinion is that what the soul is, the soul is the place where flesh and spirit uh, connect with one another. That's my opinion. I don't really have Bible for that, but that's my opinion. My opinion is that where, where we as human beings, where flesh and spirit join, that is what we would call our soul. That's my opinion. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to have to think about that some more. Because I do think animals have emotions. But I think animal emotions aren't spiritual. I think they're just chemicals. But we are both. Okay. So you are what? You are a you are a triune being, right? Does anybody know what that means? Triune. Give it a try. What do you think? Three parts. Three. three. Correct. What are your three parts? Spirit, Spiritual. soul, Spirit. and body. Correct. Okay. I just put context. Spirit, soul, and body. You with me? Okay. This is the breath of lives that was breathed into us by God's spirit. It is the thing about us that is the most like God. And it is the thing that has been most affected by your salvation at this point. Your spirit is completely saved. Regenerated is the word we like to use. And this is the place where God has most of his influence in your life is in your spirit. Okay? But here's the thing about these three things. They are all interwoven with each other, and there is really, it is very difficult to tell what is what and where is what, and they all overlap one another, and they all affect one another. Your spirit affects your soul and your body. Your soul affects your spirit and your body. Your body affects your spirit and your soul. Which is why following Jesus requires all three of these things acting together within, as us, to follow Jesus. So for me, for me, it was physical exercise, <laughs> okay, change in my diet, and a regular routine of prayer and meditation. When I say meditation, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about Eastern meditation, like, boom, no. <laughs> um. 
No. I'm talking about silence and solitude. Thinking, you know, and, and filling my mind with God's word. That's what I'm talking about. Okay? Now. Was there one day? Was it just one time in my life that I went out for a walk and all of a sudden I was better? No. It took two months of doing these things almost every day before this stuff was broken in my life. Before I could really honestly say that I felt better every day. Okay? Look at this. This is a blend of all three of these things. You know, there is a fourth piece to this that's really important. What's the fourth piece? Relationships? Yes. Jesus taught us to love five ways. Okay? And this, this is two of them. This is relationship with God and relationship with people. Okay? Jesus taught us to love with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. There's a fourth one. This, these four are about you. Next one is love your neighbor. We don't always put those together, but Jesus did. This is it right here. And what are these? Okay? Your mind? It's obvious that's your mind. It's your thoughts. Okay? These are your thoughts. Okay? Your heart. This is your will. We can talk more about that later because we don't, we don't think about that very often. Your soul is your emotions. And you can, you can flop those two around because depending on the context, they, they but, but, so sometimes people say heart is emotion. Sometimes it doesn't matter. It's not important. But the fact, okay, so thoughts, will, emotions, behavior, hello, that's what strength is. What you do with your body. And then neighbor is obviously it's your relationships, right? Why am I saying all this? Because, guys, we are complex beings. And in this day and age, okay? We're recognizing things that, you know, until the last 50 years, they didn't have a word for depression. Well, they did. It was like melancholy or whatever, you know. And if it got really bad, they'd throw you in an insane asylum. Mm. <laughs> True, with a straight jacket. It's real. That's what happened. And some people came out of those because these are usually cyclical. They're things that are really bad at times and then okay at times. 
Okay? But they are all, all of them, depression, anxiety, all of that is because something's going on in one of these areas here. When you just take all that and you say, witchcraft, oh man, you have just tried to simplify something that is really, really, really complicated. You are doing a deep misservice to people by, by simplifying something that's deeply complicated because this works for me, but it may not work for you. Okay, the other thing that I started doing after that was I started counseling. I didn't do it then, I did it later. Maybe I should have done it then. Okay? I didn't go on any medications, but I was I literally was one week from making that phone call. The only reason I didn't was because, and this was my last ditch thing because I was struggling big time. I wanted to quit my job. I wanted, I was wondering whether or not it would be a good thing or not for me to leave my wife. Not because I didn't love her, I loved her very much, but I was in a really horrible place. And she was having to deal with that. And so I had these recurring thoughts of, maybe it'd be better if I just went away. If that had stayed where it was, it wouldn't have been long, before suicide would have been in my thoughts. And I, I never got there. But I could definitely see how, that, how if I continued in this path, that, that's, that that was down the road. Because I honestly felt like I was doing everyone I was in contact with damage. Mm. And if I really believed that, and then I took myself out of the situation, whether by leaving or by killing myself, with it. is that a selfish thing? You see how the further and further you go down the path, the more and more things that don't make sense at all start to make sense? Because what would really have happened if I had left my wife? Would she be better? No, she would have been much worse. Her whole life would have been messed up. Yeah. Or... Even if I'd gone so far as to end my own life, can you imagine the damage it would have done to my wife, to my children, to my church? Can you imagine? I can now, but I couldn't then. I was so stuck in that place. The Lord said to me, I want you to go on a prayer retreat for three days. I want you to go to the shore of Lake Michigan. It was the fall. It was like... Late August, early September, I don't remember. But I want, he said, I want you to go to the shore of Lake Michigan. It was still really warm out, but the leaves were starting to turn. And when I got there, I found out that it was monarch migration season. Which, could you get more symbolic than that? You know the monarch butterflies, they all migrate down to Mexico. And all of them from the East Coast all kind of collect on the eastern shore of Lake Michigan on their way down. So I was literally, as I was there, like literally, if I was outside, I would, could see monarch butterflies. If you looked up in the sky, you'd see six or seven of them flying the whole time I was there. It was an absolutely God-ordained magical time. It really was. Because what the Lord was saying to me was, you are in this pupa state, and I am doing something in you. And when you emerge, there'll be real beauty, but before 
but right now you're stuck. And he reminded me of it every time I looked around. It wasn't witchcraft that took me there, friends. It was my neglect of my body's needs. Because I had not been exercising. I was eating garbage. It was my inability to see that I needed more rest than I was getting. It was the amount of emotional pressure that was being put on me as a pastor in the midst of a pandemic. It wasn't one thing, it was many things. Witchcraft had nothing to do with it. Now, let me tell you where they get this idea. Do you think my prayer life wasn't good? prayer life was fine. My prayer life was good. I regularly prayed even in the Holy Spirit and had people praying for me. I had already talked to my church and said, I'm going through a really difficult time emotionally. Please pray for me. That had already been going on for two or three months. Nothing was happening except it was getting worse. It was only getting worse. My prayer life was just fine. So guess what? Prayer wasn't enough. And that's really okay, guys, to say that. It really is. You show me one place in the Bible where Jesus says, all you got to do is talk to me and everything that's going on in your life is over. Hmm. It ain't there. It's not there. This is why we belong to a body of Christ, because we need others to help us out. This is why he talks to us about things like rest and Sabbath and dietary restrictions, etc., all of those things. It's all about wisdom or whatever. And those are all preventative. And in my case, yeah, they, it was in the midst of that whole process that I was rescued out of that depth of depression in that, at that time. It was those three days on that beach with just me and Jesus where I had yelling and screaming fits at him I really did <laughs> and finally after one really long just like these are all the reasons I'm pissed off at you God where I cursed him out yes I did <laughs> because he said to me he said to me it's time for you to be more honest with me than you've been. And I'm already pretty honest with him. That's not usually a problem for me. My thing was, in that moment, I had not yet got face-to-face -face with how dark my, my soul was at that time and how angry I was and how much I was accusing him of exactly how I felt and what I was going through. And when I finally had all that out, this is what the Lord did. He said, okay, now sit still. And he showed me this thing. This, he said, I'm, are, will you let me take all that accusation that you have for me? Will you let me have it? And I said, please. Because at that point I realized all that accusation, how much it was poisoning me. 
And then he showed it to me in a picture in my head, like a tapeworm. It was coming out of the top of my head and going all the way down into my stomach. It was all wrapped up around my guts. I saw that in my mind's eye, and I was like, oh, gross. (laughs) And he came, and he took it, and he grabbed it like this, just at the top of my head, and he just started pulling like this, like a clown pulling, you know, (laughs) handkerchiefs out of his pocket, like, until it all, like, all, I felt it uncurl, and it hurt, too. I felt it just uncurling out, and then just, out it came. And then I was, that broke the back. Did that fix everything? Was I good after that? No. It still took me two months. It was, that was the beginning of the two months. I Trust me, I had been trying to get rid of this in whatever way I could, but I couldn't see it, first of all, until, until I had really gotten face-to-face with it. And, when, and the Lord was able to show it to me. And then he said, take it out or let me take it out that was a divine encounter where God came and he took it out but I still was in depression and anxiety but there was there was this deep thing in me that had been resolved and from that point forward I began to get better okay now let me tell you well it is a mistake to think number one that it's someone who is who has mental illness has committed sin like Oh, just confess your sins and you'll be better. That's a mistake. Have we all sinned? Yes, we've all sinned. Are there probably patterns in your life that aren't good patterns? Yeah, there probably are. Okay? But this is not... You are... You, you, there's so much shame around these mental illness issues that we don't talk to anybody about them until it's really, really late. So let's just take that off. This isn't happening to you because you're a sinner. It's happening to you because you're human and you live in a broken world. Period. Period. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Does God want to heal you? Yes. Is it going to happen instantaneously? Probably not. It's going to happen through vulnerable relationships with other human beings. It's going to happen through putting healthy patterns into your life and maybe through medication. My wife has been on depression medication in the past. My dad has been on depression medication in the past. There is a word in Greek that... that Bible scholars love to mess around with. Can I tell you what it is? Formicaia. All right. Does this word seem familiar to you? This is where we get it. Okay. Pharmacy, pharmaceuticals. They all come from this Greek word. This word right here, in a couple different places in the New Testament, is translated witchcraft. Ooh. 
okay? Is that because all medicine is witchcraft? No. No! Absolutely not! But there are some people that see this word, translated witchcraft in certain places, relate this word to this word, and all of a sudden, medicine equals witchcraft. Okay, somebody tell me why we anoint people with oil when we pray for them to be healed. Because they, you know, they shine afterwards. <laughs> why do we anoint people with oil when we pray for them to be healed? Open up your Bibles. James chapter 5. next line say? Uh, and, the, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. There you go. Do you know what it means to anoint people with oil? In James's, in James's context, what would it mean to anoint people with oil? So let me give you a clue. It wasn't to get out a little flask of olive oil and make a cross on someone's head with it. That is not what James was talking about. No, no, no. No, no, no. What were they doing? Okay? Everybody remember the parable of the, uh, of, of the, the Samaritan? The Good Samaritan? Yeah. Um, wait. Um, bridge, help people, robbers, that one? Yep. Okay, yeah. Guy gets beat up, left in, the, left in the gutter, the religious folks walk on by, but here this dirty Samaritan comes along that all the Jewish people thought were horrible because... You know, they were a mix of, of Jewish and, and, and other, other heritages. Jesus says a Samaritan comes along. And then if you look, Samaritan anoints the, the victim with oil. Why? Because it was medicine. Oil is medicine. James chapter 5 says, call the elders of the church by all means and then dope that guy up. Amen. Give him medications and then pray for them. Now, did they have the kind of pharmaceuticals that we have? No, they didn't. No, they didn't. That's the best they had was, well, we'll put some herbal like ointments on you and that will help. And it did sometimes help. Okay? It did sometimes help. Is that the same as like taking a Tylenol? But I've heard people who love to take the Bible just way too literally say, Pharmacaea is, is witchcraft, therefore, why are you taking Tylenol? What the heck? What about weed? 
really good question. Medical marijuana, because, um... Really good question. Lincoln once said to be, like, out of your mind, like, um, something, 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 because I'll argue... Does Nathan drink coffee? Yeah. Uh-oh. No. No. What about tea? Or Pepsi? Or anything else with caffeine in it? He doesn't drink coffee, though, because he doesn't like the taste of it. Oh, he doesn't drink coffee? He drinks Red Bulls. He Even red. worse. <laughs> so Red Bull a week? And it, what, what, no, what I'm saying is caffeine is just as potent a mind-altering drug as marijuana. Mm-hmm. Now, in, now, I know I'm going to get in trouble for this. In, 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 in this state, at this time, it is illegal to use marijuana in any form. Okay? That's the truth. Do I have a problem with medicinal marijuana? No, I do not. Medicinal. (laughs) There is a difference between medicine and recreation. Mm -hmm. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. If you are taking Vicodin because your back hurts, that's one thing. If you're taking Vicodin because it makes a party more fun, that's another. Now, I agree with Nathan in one thing. We have to be careful of anything that messes with our inhibitions. Okay? Why? Because we stay sober-minded. That's right. We want to be able to make wise choices about our lives and about the way we interact with other people. And when you're drunk or high, you make stupid decisions. True. Therefore, it's stupid to be drunk or high. You with me? Is it a sin to drink alcohol? No. Jesus did it. Jesus made 900 gallons of alcohol at that wedding. 900 gallons? 900 gallons? It was off that shit. 900 gallons of very potent wine was created by Jesus at the wedding at Cana. Not to mention... In the Proverbs, it says God made wine for men's hearts to be joyous. I know the AG's listening right now. Don Gifford is on his way here right now. Tell me I'm wrong. There was no alcohol in Jesus' wine. Okay? I love that man so, so, so much. Oh, I do too. Let me just say this. There was some alcohol in that wine. When that wine steward said, you saved the best for last, what he meant was... This is the really potent stuff. This isn't watered down, so to speak. Okay? This is, woo! If I'd been drinking this all day, I'd already be drunk. That's what he's saying. I still can't get over Noah's... uh... Oh, man, Noah's whole thing. (laughs) So, medicine... Used with wisdom under the direction of a doctor is not witchcraft. Is not witchcraft. Used with wisdom under the direction of a doctor. And I'm not talking about Dr. Feelgood. I mean a real doctor who cares about your whole mental and physical health. 
okay, is not witchcraft. Now let's talk about suicide. Boy, how much time do we have? Not a lot. I do have a very late question. Wait, no. I was all my I would like to know where that is in scripture. So they said, um, I don't think they gave a scripture reference, but for what No, because it's not in there. They were like, um, <laughs> so like, not, it's, I'm going to paraphrase. Technically, um, in order to like go to heaven, you have to repent. Murder is a sin and all that, pulling yourself So wait a minute, wait a minute. You well, can't repent because you're So dead. you're telling me, if I think an impure thought five seconds before I get hit by a car, then I'm going to go to hell. Is that what you're saying? That's what they were saying. Because I didn't repent of that impure thought. Or what if I had an impure thought and I don't repent immediately and then like five days later I still haven't repented and I completely forget that I ever had that thought. Does that mean that because I never repented of it I'm going to hell? Yes. Is it? No. 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 Of course not. How does that make any sense at all? No. No, no, no. Let me say this to you. Suicide is one of the most horrible things that exists in this world. It's wrong in every way, shape, and form. It is never a solution. Ever. But what do you think is going on in the minds of people who commit suicide? Yeah. I think we were saying earlier, like, well, you are at your lowest, like, deepest hurt, and you feel like that's the only way out of it. Absolutely. And a lot of times they think it's going to help the people around them. The only reason people commit suicide is because they see it as a solution of some kind. Yeah. Um, It's just like when you're in that mindset. So I went to a mental institution for suicide and depression and anxiety (coughs) and all of that. I mean, luckily I don't struggle with that anymore. But Praise the Lord for that. Yeah, but But like... Talk to us about it. It's very much like... Like growing up, I'm PK, so like I saw, you know, my parents loving others, but then I felt like I didn't receive that same love. So then it changed my mindset into, oh, to be able to be loved, you have to earn it in some sort of way. And then like, it just gets... Like, you feel like you're a burden to other people at the end of the day. Like, you're like, because you know that there's solutions, and like, or at least I knew that there's solutions, and I had, I didn't have a sound mind, but like, I knew that there was options, but at the end of the day, it was just like, I'm such a burden to other people that like, there's no point in going and looking for help because the help isn't there. Hmm. Like, it isn't available to me. So, instead of like, you know, because it's like, you know, they told me to pray about it. Like, they set me up with people in the church that would just listen to me and then go and tell my parents exactly what I said when that was part of the problem. Betrayal. Judas. But it's like, as somebody who has struggled with suicide and who has seven attempts under their sleeve, like, yeah, if there's one thing I'm bad at, it's that right there. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
like as somebody who's been in that mindset it's the fact that like you know that there's ways but you don't feel like you're worthy to get those ways mm -hmm. of help you're like there's no point because yeah. like what if i'm dead right now who would care yeah. like oh mom and dad they got other people to love them they'll be fine like oh my friends they have other friends they're gonna be fine like i'm not a good person to them i'm not beneficial to them in any way and that's just like the mindset that at least i have as a suicidal person of i don't deserve help i don't there's no point in me getting help like the world would just be better off without like me in it if that makes sense it sounds really depressing no it doesn't make sense yeah. but what you're saying makes sense right and that's the thing is when you're in that space you can't see that it doesn't make sense. That's the rationale. It makes perfect sense to you. Mm -hmm. and a lot of people think it through a lot. You know? They they do the thinking, thinking, thinking. Like my cousin, she told me, like, for each attempt, it was like it was a huge thought process. Yeah. And some of them were like really planned out. And like imagine like, planning that and then mm -hmm. going through it. Well mm -hmm. it's like you find all the benefits when you're in that mindset of you not being there. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. a benefit, oh, my parents would have more money. They wouldn't struggle as much financially. Or a benefit would be, okay, that's one less thing for them to worry about because they have so much on their plate. I'm not putting this on my parents in any way, shape, or form. They're great people. But that's just how I felt, you know? Yeah. And it's just like a benefit. Okay, my friends wouldn't have to hear me complain about my life all the time. Mm -hmm. Like... You just find, when you're in that mindset, you find the benefits of you not being there anymore. And then that helps you, like, that helps give you the power and ambition to, like, end it through that place. Yeah. At no point were you involved in witchcraft. And you might say, like, was well, that person demon-possessed? Do I think demons were involved in torturing you into that place? Oh, I certainly do. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that, because we had a class um, during, while we were going at launch, it was on spiritual warfare, and something that the pastor said, it was eight ways that the doors, um, eight things that we opened the doors to spiritual warfare, and one thing she said, like, that the, like, the enemy wants you to commit suicide. Yeah, of course it is. Um, he said, because, he basically said, because then you're playing God, like, that's just one part for the enemy. I don't, like, I was like, I don't know about that, but, like, the enemy wants that to happen. Why do you have to go there? Because he comes, like he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Why, why can't it just be obvious that a person taking their life is a bad thing? Right. Why do you have to go to? Because you can't. You shouldn't be able to play God. It's got to right. become. Why does it have to go from a place of compassion, mm -hmm. of saying how hurting must this person have been that they thought that ending their life was a was a better thing than staying alive? Yeah. Okay. Why do we have to go any further than that? Why can't we just stay there? This is obviously terrible. Why do we have to turn it around and like heap guilt and shame upon that person because you just wanted to play God? I guarantee you that was never in anybody's head. Right. Well, the, yes. And he was saying that the enemy wants you because then he's, he's, I know. he's playing. I know. Yeah. It just, that just bugs me that, that you have to go that far. I, I don't know. I don't know this person. Right. I just know that I, I just, that bugs me. Yeah. Why do we have to go there? The enemy, Jesus told us the enemy's goals. Mm -hmm. Steal, kill, destroy. These are his goals. 
when it comes to you, his goals are to steal from you, to kill you, and destroy you. That's, those are his goals. If you've committed suicide, he has absolutely met all his goals. He doesn't need any more than that. It doesn't have to be about making you play God. But it's thoughts like that that would make people say, everyone that commits suicide automatically goes to hell. And I, I don't agree with that statement. I just don't. I think they're already in hell, and that's why they committed suicide. And I think the grace of God is inexplicable and much bigger than any of us can possibly understand. So, yeah, I think let's leave that to God and let's not put that on anybody. And I've had people say to me, well, the only reason I didn't commit suicide is because I didn't want to go to hell. And I, I just want to look at them and be like, no, that's not why you didn't commit suicide. Oh, I, I truly believe that people who are in that mindset are in a, like, on earth version of hell. They are. And, and you I, don't even need to put the in earth version in there. Right. It's like, because before I went, or before the last attempt that I had before I went to the mental hospital, like, I was in my basement and I could visibly see the demons around me. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not one of those, like, oh, I can see the spiritual realm type people because I'm not, like, yeah. I know I need help with discernment on that, but in that day, it's like I could see, like, just surrounded and it felt like I was, like, there. Yeah. So you, I, you were. That's hell. Hell is real. And it's everywhere all the time. Just look around. Hell is just as present as heaven is. Eternal life is the life we're living now. The only difference is are you in your body or out of it? That's something that uh, I've talked to my therapist about. We haven't dug into it yet because I just started, but... Um, he was asking me about like dreams and stuff that I have and that's one thing like I when I'm at like a really low point with my depression like he asked me if I ever have dreams and I'm like I've had plenty of where it's like a demonic being like in my dream and um, that's just something like I never really thought to put two and two together until I've been hearing more about like spiritual warfare and just learning more stuff on my own about it and so like that's something that I'm hopefully diving into soon, figuring, like, learning more about that. We are absolutely surrounded by an invisible world. Can demons attack in dreams? Yes. Demons can attack in dreams or awake. Demons can attack in any way, any shape, any form. That doesn't mean that every single problem that everyone ever has is demonic, because it's not. Um, And, uh, but, but they are around, and they do attack. And guess what? Even if you fix the demon problem, is one of the things I do first okay if I'm experiencing a really negative emotion or I'm like you know I'm, I'm experiencing deep anxiety deep depression I go there first because I have the authority to remove demonic power and presence in my life so I go there first and I say that's it any spirit that is causing me to feel anxiety right now any spirit that's causing me to feel depression right now in the name of Jesus I command you to go I refuse to agree with you. I will not step into agreement with you about my life or the life of my family or the life of my church. You must go right now in the name of Jesus. Guess what? Sometimes that really changes things. I mean, immediately. Like, whoa, I feel way better. And sometimes it makes no difference at all. Yeah, that's what a lot of my, where 
heard her late husband just denouncing mm -hmm. the spirit of anxiety and depression. Sometimes that's going to help, and sometimes it's not. But I think we should do that. I, that's what I said. It's the first place I go. Because if this is just a demon, and there's nothing else going on, then let's get that demon out of here, yeah. right? But there's also, and this is the way I've had to describe it to my wife who does not understand, because she's never walked through a season of depression like me. I have to tell her, my bad days are like your migraines. Because she does get migraine headaches. I said, do you know when a migraine's coming on? She said, no. I said, is there, a, is there a cause that you can point to that brings a migraine on? She said, not usually. I said, there you go. That's the way my anxiety and depression work, too. I can be doing just fine, and then all of a sudden there, something happens, and I am just filled with anxiety, mm -hmm. filled with depression, and there's nothing I can do yeah. to just to shake loose of it. And sometimes nothing even has to happen. It just... Yeah. yeah. It's... it's I don't think it's connected all, always to something that happens outside of my body. Sometimes it's just a chemical imbalance. Yeah. Also, like, what's that word? Where it's in your family, too. Oh, yeah. Hereditary. It's hereditary. Yeah. yeah. It certainly is. Like, apparently, sickle cell. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. But yes. Are you, are you struggling with that? No, I didn't know what sickle cell was <laughs> oh, for the okay. longest. And yeah. so now it's like, a, it's like, my, like the number one it. killer of black people. I'm like, diabetes. Apparently it was sickle cell. No, that's number two. Because okay. my nephew has it. He's a carrier of it. And because we were talking about that one day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are white people that have sickle cell. But there's a lot more black people that have it. I don't know. It's just something that happens. All right, guys. I am here. And I love you. You have my you have my text number. If you are walking through some stuff and you want to talk to somebody about it, I'm, please please call me, text me. Okay, I will be. I would love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to help you explore options. Like, what are some of the things that I need to do? Um, I have been in that place, so I get it. All right. Do not hesitate to reach out to me. I'm a part of this, you know, I do this every week with you guys, not just because I want to fill your heads with knowledge. That's fun. But I want to help you move forward in your walk with Christ. That's why I'm here. And if, that, if you need a little more, you know, I'll take you to lunch. You know, we can sit and talk and have coffee or whatever. I'm here. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Really, is lunch now? Yeah. Okay. Alex, can I get the keys to the?